Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Peace Over Pieces podcast, a podcast concentrating on the problems of domestic abuse awareness. My name is Clara Baldwin, and the goal of this podcast is to interview domestic abuse victims to help spread awareness of the issue. While people in the audience at home can listen or make 100% donations to the specific victims they listen to and connect with. They can also make a general donation to help the fund for resources for victims as well. You can find all this information on peaceoverpieces.org. So now introducing our first guest on the podcast, Katie Kuskadin. Katie, how are you? Hi, I'm doing all right. Good. Could you please give us a little background on who you are and where you grew up and your upbringing in general? Yeah, absolutely. So I was born to my mother when my mother uh, had just turned 18. And I don't have a very close relationship with my dad. I don't really know him very much. Born in Arkansas, um, lived in Missouri half of my childhood. So I was Midwest born and raised. <laughs> same here, same here. That's right. I went to public school. My parents grew up, uh, tried to raise me Christian, but I kind of ended up not being religious very much at all. Wow, your life sounds literally like mine so far. <laughs> yeah, um, that's kind of usually what, what I, that's my background. I have a lot of brothers and sisters. Gotcha. Um, one brother, actually, <laughs> four sisters, and I'm the oldest. Gotcha. Yeah, I have one older brother and one younger sister, so same thing, kind of not a close relationship with my dad, close with my mom, public school, yeah. Midwest, yep. Where are you right now, and what do you do for a living? Uh, yeah, so I'm actually in Texas now, so not so much Midwest, but still. Mm-hmm. I feel so separated, but I ended up here because my mom is a nurse and left Missouri while I was in my domestic domestic violence relationship. When I was in that abusive relationship, she actually moved for her job here to Texas. I was kind of left alone in Missouri after that with no other family uh, with my abuser. And that was kind of part of the reason that I felt so trapped too. But that's where I'm at now. I came to Texas. Um, This was the only place I had family. So I wanted somewhere to start over. Gotcha. And I'm in Austin now. I started out in San Antonio, but I work uh, in finance now. Interesting backstory in you, Katie, is that I have no idea how we became Facebook friends, but we did follow each other a few years ago. And I remember that I was actually going through my own personal problems with my mom and dad in a domestic violence case. And at the time, I was younger and I was so ashamed and hiding everything that was going on in my life. But you were so transparent on Facebook, I remember, and you're open about your relationship and your domestic violence case, basically. And you went through, it was just super inspiring and amazing that you were honest enough to put yourself out there like that. That's so sweet of you. <laughs> and I don't know how we became friends either, but did you live in Columbia? Like, we both have the five yeah. area. Yeah, 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 so I did. Like, probably gone to all the same schools were you Rockbridge or Hickman I was all three so I went to Rockbridge freshman year Hickman sophomore uh sophomore year and then battle junior senior so are you Hickman or you Rockbridge I went to Rockbridge one year my sophomore year Hickman for junior and I dropped out of Hickman my senior (laughs) while I was in that relationship I literally dropped out of high school oh my gosh I have no idea I didn't even know that you went to Hickman yes I like to start this off by asking you Before trouble started with your boyfriend regarding the domestic and or emotional abuse you went through, how did he treat you? Or how about, where did you meet him first of all? Oh, very funny story. I met him on Twitter. He, um, I guess he was a grade older than I was and he went to Hickman all three years of high school. Yeah, so the same school. Yes, we never really saw each other at school. He, I posted like a sexy picture on Twitter, Twitter followers and DM'd me. It all went down in the DMs. Slid in the DMs. Yeah, I was 17, 
I believe. Right. We were hanging out, I think, like, the end of summer, and my birthday's in October, so I, I was about to turn 18. So, at first, how did he treat you as a boyfriend? <laughs> that, we... We had met on Twitter, right? So we had to hang out to kind of actually get to know each other. No history, no background there. It was a totally new person. And I had actually, right before him, dated someone who had a severe heroin addiction problem. And how old were you when that started? That relationship lasted much shorter, not even a year. I got you. So I was like 16, learning to drive and all that stuff. Well, that's some heavy stuff, dating someone, you know, with a heroin addiction. It was because by the time I found out about it, he had hidden it, you know, and by the time I found out, I was, I was really in love with him. He was my first love, that guy, the heroin addict. And yeah. his name was Dylan. Gotcha. Say. And so after that relationship ended, I remember that summer because it ended in the spring before Justin. Justin is the one who violently abused me. And I remember ending it with Dylan and feeling really just down devastated you know first love breakup is the worst absolutely man. you feel like your whole world is ending i know so you'll never love anyone oh else. yeah still to this day i think that's the hardest heartbreak you have to like deal with when you're 15 you'll 16 and it was really hard for me because it ruined my idea of trust having somebody i dated and not knowing at all that whole time he was on heroin and then finding out and literally just having to end the relationship because he had to get better that's the only reason it ended he he moved to texas <laughs> And uh, left, and that's when after that, I, I remember thinking I actually wanted a boyfriend after that. For some, I like, I was excited to date someone better. I was like, I'm gonna do this single summer, and I'm actively like looking for a man. Something so childish of me, but I, that's what I felt like at this. So okay, so Dylan led you to Justin, your second relationship. I think I was kind of codependent after Dylan. I see. Yes, I and that's got understandable. A taste of having a relationship, and I didn't want it to be any other way. I. I was sort of an odd person in that way. I think most people would have taken a while to, you know, Not at just all. get better. That's, that. <laughs> that's so common, I feel like. When people are in relationships, they're relationships people, and I am definitely that person too. So, so Dylan, the second guy, so this is your main story of the domestic abuse case, is with this guy. Justin. Justin. Okay, so Justin, Justin is the main Sorry. guy. I probably should have said Justin's name first. No, it's okay. Um, Justin is the main domestic abuse case. And so initially, how did he treat you in your relationship? Ah, uh, yes. When it when it started out, just hanging out, trying to get to know each other, he was very closed off. It's really strange. I, I, looking back now, I have no idea why I was attracted to this person. Right off the bat, he was odd and weird and off. Um, he treated me like over text and stuff, like so just like like a goddess, all the compliments. He was um, honestly, if anything, pushing me away right from the beginning, which intrigued me and made me so curious that I kept hanging out with him. Like, why does this person, obviously he was attracted to me, we talk online, we text, and it's all fine and dandy, but in person, so closed down, shut off. Right. It's so like reverse, know. like you're just, you're almost attracted to it. You I want what you can't have. Out. Yeah. So Which like, is understandable, of course. What was the first like big red flag, like the first kind of situation that you came across regarding domestic abuse with him? And do you remember like how that played out and what happened during that? Yes. Uh, 
I've thought about this a lot. Many times I have tried to go back in my memory and remember just the first time that he hit me. But what comes to mind is actually the first time something really, like there was all those little red flags, him being closed off and been, but what, one day we went to see his friend. I was meeting his friend um, for like the second time, the first time going to his friend's house, his best friend, Tavon. And so we went there to hang out and smoke, do teenager things. Of course. I was driving, I had the car, and I was pulling up into the apartment complex. And as we pulled up, he was off all day. He was acting strange. And I just was like, what's wrong? You know, I kind of had been hinting at trying to get him to open up about it. But I flat out asked when we pulled up, because we were there, and he was acting very strange, almost mad at me. I asked, what's wrong? Uh, and he said, shut the fuck up and closed the door of the car and walked up to his friend's door, his apartment door. And I'm sitting in the car like, what? And Justin was kind of staring at me from the door to Tavon's. Like, he was waiting on me to get out of the car so he could knock or ring the doorbell or let Tavon know we were there. Yeah. But I was kind of just shocked. Like, what? Yeah, or absolutely. <laughs> uh, like, I hadn't done anything. We hadn't gotten in an argument. All I asked was what was wrong. And so I decided, stupidly, I think at that moment... It, I had the, the conscience to think I should either leave or I'm going to walk up and I'm diving into this person. Yeah. At that moment, something was wrong with him. And I had the conscious thought of I should either drive away and in this now and save myself a load of pain. That's so scary. Or I'm going to go and investigate this person. And so I did the latter. <laughs> I closed the door, walked up to him, and I was like, what the hell was that? And he just knocked on the door wouldn't give me an explanation so then we're in his friend's house I'm awkwardly sitting on the couch super disturbed and feeling like I'm I was in trouble like as anyone would and I had no idea why right and so the whole time we're sitting there it's really awkward for me and they're just chatting like I'm not there smoking together passing it to me but I'm not a part of this conversation or this hangout I'm just there and I was waiting for it to be over so he could tell me and halfway through about like an hour or two we were there halfway through being there he starts acting normal and happy again and like looking at me like apologizing with his eyes from across the room almost i feel a little bit better because i was like okay i can tell that he's like gonna at least has a little sympathy right so then as we left i'm like finally he's gonna tell me and we get in the car and i was like what the hell like you can't just tell me to shut the fuck up and not tell me what's going on why are you mad at me and he said i'm not mad at you me and my mom got in a fight over the text and it's, it just had me in such a mood, and I didn't feel like talking about it. He had some sort of excuse Oh, like fuck that. that, always. I was like, oh, okay, uh, can you just, like, be more open with me next time? And I thought maybe it was just... You're being really super mature. <laughs> right. But it was little things like that. And then anytime I hung out with my two best friends, he was texting me every second, super possessive. Oh, of course. And those were my first big red flags. And honestly, the way I felt after each time he would do something, like, possessive or just put the blame on me for something he was feeling anytime he did something like that before the hitting started I always just felt really confused and like I just needed to figure it out and understand him though and that's a terrible thing to feel in a relationship you're just trying to figure out yourself internally and they're just controlling everything yeah that's ridiculous yeah placing the blame uh, or just always trying to fix it so like I'm the mature one I'm the one with all this uh, emotional 
knowledge that I need to bestow onto him. And I kind of just took up that responsibility as like a challenge. Fixing him. Which is a codependent tendency. Of course. That was the verbal, like the first big red flag. And then those were like the signs, the little things that I should have nipped in the bud. And it's, it's just manipulation almost. And you just kind of get caught up in that moment, but you move on because you do, you're dating that person. You like them. So from then, what led to the physical? What at what point after that? How how long do you think it was till it escalated? I think when someone, I think Justin was never emotionally intelligent enough to realize he was the manipulator. I don't think he realized his behaviors were manipulative and isolating me. But that's what they were doing, and he. He didn't maybe consciously make these decisions to manipulate and isolate me, but subliminally, that's what that's what his goal was. I don't think he was a smart enough person to actually have, like, okay, this is how you do it. You know, this is how you isolate a girl. That was his goal. His, deep down. his nature. His he had no idea, but he was just doing it. He should have been aware, but. And that's what the sad part is about it is that I knew that he wasn't some like sociopath psychopath person like yeah he wasn't totally an, even a narcissist he knew that there was something wrong with him and he wanted to change and be better but he didn't know how and I took up that how oh, I can help because I feel that my life has developed me into a helper and that's a common thing and in- you know, domestic abuse, there's one person with internal issues and there's one person who's the healer and the nurturer and it's just an Mm -hmm. uneven balance the whole time. They just, I don't think they all realize it. It's when you hear about domestic violence and abuse and even growing up before it, you've been dating, they warn you, right? Yeah. To look for things and they don't all fit that. He definitely didn't. It was definitely something over time, but the violence started when I started standing up for myself, you know, because uh, then he feels like you're and, a threat, right? Oh, oh, like I'm defending my right to hang out with my friends alone. And that's a problem for him because even though he might not have realized it, he was trying to isolate me and make me all his and make it so that I didn't want to leave because he was my only friend and my boyfriend. And I didn't realize, you know, I wasn't telling him like, you can't isolate me. I just didn't understand so I started standing up for myself and trying to make him understand the things he was doing wrong in our relationship. And man, I, it's, this is the part that always confuses me because it's not like he just slapped the shit out of me. It was hugging me really tightly when I was upset, making sure, like not letting me go, even though I said, I don't want to be hugged right now. And then that kind of gradually got into more intense he would put his mouth over my mouth when I was talking or something like that and try to shut me up physically and then it got to choking grabbing my throat and Mm. and then punching and slapping and it was always just fights we were always fighting verbally for that because I was basically teach this person how to be a decent fucking human being of course boyfriend that's devastating and And it was exhausting always. And when the verbal fighting just, you're comfortable enough, I guess he got comfortable enough to just hit me instead of verbally fighting because it didn't happen right away. And I actually remember him admitting to me one day 
that his last relationship ended because he punched the girl and she left after that one punch. And I wondered after like a year of being with this person and realizing I'd been putting up with lots of physical abuse and excusing it every time. It was multiple times a week. It was mm. not every day. Yeah. It was two, three times a week. <laughs> and it really, it's hard to pinpoint when it happened, but it starts with verbal arguing. Verbal arguing escalates to verbal abuse. And the verbal abuse, if that type is that, if you're dating somebody who gets physical, to after a certain point, it was always the arguing just led to a certain point and he lost his complete control. It was just pure rage. They're almost like in a manic mode and like they're not there. They just, they don't even know what their name is almost. It's just they're in the zone and like it's the scariest thing it's ever. It's really animalistic, definitely. The physical abuse lasted for how long would you say you dealt with it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it started just a couple months into our relationship, that three to six months. I think that's about when it got, you know, me standing up for myself turns to arguing, turns to violence. And I dealt with it the whole time we were together, and we were together for two years. Which honestly should be, like, the honeymoon stage, three to six months. It's very common, but, yeah, just thinking about it, like, that's the time you should be almost shy with each other still. Right, and part of that, that's a good point. What I had mentioned earlier, my mom leaving Missouri. Yes. She left shortly into that relationship. I just kind of started dating him, Mm. and without getting really in into the weeds my family life and my my whole just upbringing it's been rocky my family's a little dysfunctional uh, my mom and I we, we don't always get along but I know she's always got my back and she would do anything for me but I was kind of at that that spot of your life leaving high school going to college yeah that phase where you need to, parents right like, and yeah you're you're kind of leaving the nest right right and you just but, entered this terrible relationship well it wasn't, it was before it got terrible. Mm. It was, we were dating and she, honestly, I think she looked at it as it's like, oh good, Katie's starting to date. She's in college. Like I can leave now. She's good. And, I see. You know, took my younger siblings with her. And so I had no family left. Uh, and I was in college trying to juggle college, a job and my boyfriend and that's when I decided to move in with him, even though we had barely been dating right. and he was living I mean, you had mom. no support system with you. He was no, the easy one to lean on. Right. You, that isolated me. Without my mom being, she didn't have the intent to isolate me, but I isolated myself instead of going with her or trying to be independent. I decided to use him as a crutch to getting myself independent okay, I'll just live with Justin until I can get my own apartment, which never happened. Of course. And we only had a bedroom. We had his bedroom, and his house was full of people. He had his brother living there, two of his brothers, and his mom, and his stepdad. Oh, wow. So you lived with his family while all of this was going on. They listened. They heard. They Shut up. And they just never intervened, ever. No. No, they did at first. And then it got to the point they were used to it, so they didn't care. My God. So I would literally be getting, like, the shit beat out of me in the, the room next door, and people were all around the house just ignoring it. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. So you lived with them for how many months or years? Two years, you said? Almost two years, yeah. That is just beyond me. Holy shit. 
after two years, did you try to es- did you try to escape before the two years from that situation? No, it was never like me planning my escape type thing. It right. was always just kind of dealing with I it day by day. Stuck, stuck. I yeah. felt like I either have to leave everyone I've ever known and grown up with and gone to school with my whole life behind, which I didn't want to do. I wanted to stay in Columbia, Missouri and make my like start there. I just wanted to get off my feet there. And when my mom moved away, she didn't realize how how it was with Justin and I. I was always really ashamed. I didn't really want to tell many people at first. That's the common. I started like venting and stuff about it on Facebook was because I was completely isolated. And I had even been hiding it from my friends and I was gasping. That mm. was my way of just and I also knew that because we were going to festivals, music was our thing, going to concerts. We had kind of like a posse of people who were like our acquaintances, like our mm, our group, you know. Yeah, I gotcha. People who knew his face, who knew of him, knew we dated. We have that community, that music community that uh, we're all acquaintances, maybe not best friends, but people know things about people in that community, if that makes sense. Yes. Kind of like a click in high school. So I knew that if I was putting this out there about him, I, that people would, they would see this and then see us together. I was doing it to myself. I was like, if I, cause I hated how I felt afterward, like after a huge fight and after a huge violent thing, if I went and told a bunch of people on Facebook about it, I always delete it. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I started leaving it. Because I, I thought, I knew I needed to leave um, about a year in. I just didn't have the strength to do it. Because yeah. you also love someone. There's good parts, too. It's not all bad. Of course. There's up and downs. And but attached. Yeah. And yeah. then posting on Facebook, that probably held yourself accountable by leaving it That's instead of exactly deleting it. Because it. yes. it's like you look at your wall and you're like staring at it. And you're like, all right, maybe I do need to get out of this situation. I'm reading exactly what I hate about this relationship. And I knew that other people, more and more people were finding out every single time I did that, which was embarrassing, but it helped motivate it's not, me no, to yeah. be so embarrassed that I didn't want to be with him anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know. And it's, it's not embarrassing at all. I mean, to you, yes. But I mean, even when I was reading it, at like you, you had no idea who I was and I had no idea who you were. But when I read it, I was like, this is just insane. Like it's, it's honestly inspiring that she's posting this, but I hope she gets to a good place. And like, it's like the people reading it obviously can't do anything, but reach out and hope you're okay. But yeah, I just remember I was in that situation. I'm like, damn, I just, I don't have any guts in me to do something like this, but yeah, no, it was a good step to take to get out of that. So what was the last straw for you and Justin? This one I do know. I can't remember how it started the first time. But right. I remember gotcha. the last straw. So I, I think about a year in, I knew, okay, this is an abusive relationship. I identified it, you know, mm-hmm. this is not normal. I've let this go on kind of thing, even though I shouldn't have. And there was many times I should have left. So I started planning. Um, it was never, he can, I could have left at any time. It would have been dramatic and a huge thing, but I've always, I threatened so many times to leave and I would, go get all my stuff packed up, put it all in my car and not go. <laughs> it was always a, yeah. I just wanted to have the power. It was always a power struggle, like a tug of war. He had the power when he was hurting me, but afterward I had the power 
because he just hurt me and I can leave or I can stay. Exactly. And that's when they become all sweet and they try to, you know, kiss up to you. Like watching my parents, I feel like that was always an episode that happened once a month. My mom would pack everything and then, you know, my dad would buy her flowers. And when I saw the flowers on the table, that meant, oh, they had a terrible fight last night and now she's coming back. Yes. Yes. And it it kind of feels good when you're like twistedly it feels good like <laughs> like now i'm in power it's you know i know i'm a not battle. Gonna get hurt for a couple of days because he can't do that back to back he he doesn't there's a pattern you start to notice and live by and it's your survival guide and he would do all the the sweet stuff and the mushy stuff and um i started making my plan like okay i can't just keep letting this this pattern take place uh even though it hurts so bad to when he's vulnerable and apologizing it feels really bad to just say I don't forgive so I started making a plan to remove myself even though I didn't want to which is really weird but that's how it was I was like I have to get the fuck out of here even though I don't think I have the strength to so I told him I was like I'm going to take a trip to California to see my dad and brother who I haven't seen in a long time and I went there and didn't actually know if I was going to come back. Just up and, and leave. position it as like, I'm coming back and, and then make myself get stuck there. Tell them how bad it is. And maybe they'll just hold me there hostage. But when I got there, I decided I didn't really want to live there um, for many reasons. And so I came back. And on my way back, I got pulled over in Wyoming and arrested with weed oh my gosh it was a huge sign yes because it was really weird how I got pulled over and I had to go back for a court date and I went back with him a couple months later with Justin this is the yes oh this is where the last straw happened yeah so it was kind of a miracle the last straw was we were going to see a concert and it happened to be a couple days after my court date. So we just made the trip to Wyoming, did the court date in the hotel there, got in a huge, huge fight with um, alcohol involved where uh, we were drinking like these, uh, like twisted tea type things you could buy at the gas station. Dangerous. (laughs) And we're at the hotel after the court date, just going to sleep there for the night and then make the road trip to Colorado where the concert was. So that night in Wyoming in this hotel, we get in a fight, can never remember what it's ever about, but always of an course. argument where he then puts his hands on me. And then I'm defending myself. That's always how it was. I never put hands on him first. Never. Mm-hmm. And I can say that confidently. But this drink that he had, I smacked it out of his hand or something. And it cut his finger, the little can, the aluminum. And he started attacking me after that. And blood got all over the walls, the sheets. We, his finger was gashed so bad. Oh my gosh! Stitches, yes. And after that, we're in terrible mood the next day. Like you know, get over the fight. Eventually, hours and hours later, it's two in the morning. Probably by the time we're like, okay, let's go to sleep. And the next morning, it's just eyes puffy. That terrible shit feeling of ugh, fight last night. Terrible. So we get the car. Just a bad vibe to the day, you know. And we go to the Colorado and. I was going to stay with my grandma who lives in Colorado, stay in her house. And she'd been seeing my Facebook posts up to this point, uh, basically outing him as physical abuser. And she gave us such a hard time the whole time we were there. It was awesome. Yeah. She would very snidely like make a remark. Like I, I I said I was clumsy at one point 
because I dropped some coffee or something. She yeah. goes, oh, but it doesn't matter. Right, Justin? She go Not fucking grandma. My grandma would be his ass. <laughs> I can't believe she let him stay in his house. Yeah, that just shocks me alone. But she did, and um, we left her house after getting set up there to go, like, smoke because we're in Colorado, right? Of course. So <laughs> we had, like, this joint or something, and I can't remember what we were fighting about, of course, but we're in the car, and he wanted to smoke this joint, and I had been arrested with pot, and I didn't want to in the car, even though it was Colorado. Oh, no, a second time. Right. <laughs> so California, <laughs> then Colorado. Right, Shoot. To, no. <laughs> so we fight, and it got even more. It was more than just that. There was something else. It was a big deal, and he were in the car, and I was driving. He's like choking me while I'm driving. You fucking like, punching me while I'm driving, fucking with me while I'm driving in downtown Denver, which My is gosh. a crazy place to drive. Yes. Yeah, it was. And so I stopped the car on the shoulder, wherever we were. And because it, it was like I was about to get in a wreck and he was hitting me and it was violent. I literally stopped the car so we could fight each other in the car. Right. And he like grabs my shoulders and headbutts me into oblivion. Like that's I got out of the car um, almost just completely manic and having like a panic attack type of I got course. out of the car yeah. freaking the fuck out This these girls, these women in their house had seen us in the car and heard us and were already on their porch are you okay honey, are you okay as I'm bolting out to the middle of the road out of this car parked on the side of the road where it shouldn't be anyway and I literally dove into a bush on, and it had like a cave in it, it was like it was there for me and I was inside <laughs> a bush <laughs> it was there for me. It was destiny. It was with the bush of safety. Oh and my gosh! Sobbing. Oh. And Justin didn't know where it was. It was where I could see the car, but he couldn't really see from where he was where I was. And I could see the car circling the block, and I knew he was there. I didn't know what I was doing. I just didn't want to be around him, and I couldn't anymore. And I felt my mouth, and my face was hurting, and my tooth was chipped and I I've had a lot of dental work done and I take pride in my teeth. Uh, what the tooth fuck? being chipped. He headbutt your fucking tooth. That was my last straw. Oh. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts really bad. It goes away after a while, but the tingly, like the nerve feeling, it hurt worse than anything you'd ever done to me, the chipped tooth. And it's expensive to fix. I still have the tooth chip in my mouth. I'm and just a headbutt right in general. It's just over my head. I can't believe that. Yeah. So how do you it even was... get out of that situation? You're out of state and these women are screaming at you. You're in the bush that's saving you. How did you get out of that? Well, they. I ran away from them and got dove into the bush to make sure that they weren't going to be able to like actually help me. I, I never wanted the police to come. I never wanted him to get arrested. Wow. And... Um, even then. So I ran away to get away from their help, and they they stopped chasing me. Um, and they didn't see me in the bush. <laughs> but I, I think when I was sitting there, I was like, I just need to calm down. Like I need to gather myself. Um, because I knew it was about to get... Like, when he headbutted me, he had never done that before. Ever. Yeah, that's extreme. I thought in that moment, he's going to kill me if I don't leave this relationship. He is mm. going to hurt me so bad on accident that I either like bleed out or something you know and 
I, I don't know. I was just imagining all these these ways that I was going to end up dead if I stayed. With Understandably, him. I just trying to gather myself and hype myself up. I was like, I have to fucking leave him after this. I knew that I had to get back in that car eventually. I had to find him eventually and go back home with him to Missouri. Oh, I can't imagine getting in the car again. I'd fucking Uber back. Like, I just, <laughs> you are strong. Well, he was looking for me and driving around, and then cops started driving around because I think the ladies called the that police. Were to help me originally called the police. And yes. They, they were circling the block too. So I waited for a moment when he had driven around, like, for the 50th time, and I just walked up to the car. He kept driving in the same circle. And I just walked up, got in the car. I very vividly remember being proud of myself because I didn't want to keep arguing and I'm very stuck. I was like, don't even talk to me. Let's just smoke and go home. And we did. We smoked and in the car, even though that's not what I wanted to do and kind of what started everything. And went to our concert that weekend. The concert was terrible. It was a festival, so it was three days camping and every fucking day was a fight, physical or verbal. It was yeah. terrible. It was Sounds so terrible. Torture. So when I got home, I called my mom and I said, Mom, I, she kind of knew at this point. I was like, I have to get out of here. I have to start over. I need to come live with you. So we made a plan, but I wanted I wanted time to like prepare for that. I didn't want to do it right away. So yes. I set the ticket to go uh, September 10th, and it was like July at this point. And I used that time to say goodbye to my friends, hang out with people that I had totally isolated myself from. <laughs> from the beginning of the relationship and he knew I was leaving but I told him that I just wanted a break and that I was gonna be back together with him so that he wouldn't do crazy shit right you gotta play the game exactly so it's the last straw so you moved to Texas you moved in with your mom after that situation yes do you have your place now are you still living with her oh yeah we I I live with my new boyfriend Reed who's amazing and we yeah we met when I first moved here, he lived in Austin. So I live in Austin now. I started out in San Antonio. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you. And so how old are you now? I'm 24 in a couple of months. So I'm 23 going in 24. You've come a long way from that rocky path. It was, I think my mom moving here was like destiny because I found Reed and we truly are just like a match made in heaven. The, f- the first time we hung out was because one of my friends from Missouri knew him from festival. Like I said, this music community like I'm friends with all these people who go to festivals and travel the world and we're all like kind of long distance internet friends it feels like a lot of the time right right she she knew Reed from a festival and knew me from like elementary school like we really had known each other a long while but she knew that Reed and I moved to Texas around the same time and knew that we were both in the music and told us that we should hang out And he messaged me, and I was kind of, like, blowing him off all the time. I didn't really want to date anyone or hang out with a guy, for that matter. Oh, of course. But we decided to, after a long time of me blowing him off, he he drove to San Antonio from Austin, which is, like, a two-hour drive in a car. Oh. He did the drive on a moped. It took him, like, four hours. Uh, A moped on highways? So then he gets to me in San Antonio and had, like, a whole Lizzie McGuire day, you know. (laughs) So cute. I love it. And we couldn't stop talking, couldn't stop laughing, compatible, not a silent weirdo that I was trying to figure out. (laughs) Of course, yeah. And when you know, you know. So I feel like we have kind of similar backgrounds because 
I was in that situation with my family when I was younger. I was only, I was, yeah, just got out of high school, just graduated, literally the day after graduation. My mom was like, I need to leave your dad finally since you're out of high school. They had a terrible relationship, very severe physical and emotional abuse. And so she moved to Kansas City and I was like, okay, this is destiny, I guess. Like I will move to Kansas City someday. Met this wonderful guy because I've had my fair share of terrible relationships too. But everything really happens for a reason. It totally does. I know. It's so and, amazing. and now that you look back, you're like, is that even my life? It's just oh like almost gosh, watching yes. TV in your head. Like that was an episode, and when you watch it, you're like, I just can't believe it. I just can't wrap my head I around can't it. Believe it was two years. That's always what gets me. Yeah. Mind boggling to me. And so. How do you cope and heal with such terrible memories? What advice can you give to victims post-domestic abuse? Because people don't realize sometimes it's not even the time during domestic abuse that is the worst. Sometimes the mental strain after getting out of that situation and the helplessness you feel afterwards can just push women into depression and isolation. So what did you do to keep your head high after? Because it can be hard once you move. Yeah, I, I think the like recovery after like after I moved being ice alone was definitely mentally harder and just the entire relationship just going from this person that's like a drug to you I always compared it to drug addiction yeah you're like in a bubble oh yeah they know it's terrible for them they know they're destroying their lives and the people that love them around them are being affected by it so greatly and it's all the same symptoms you're just addicted to the person and the love that they do have available <laughs> so afterward the the way that i kind of coped and dealt with it first of all i think the most 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 important thing that people need to find some way to do if they're finding themselves in an abusive relationship physically abusive it's not enough to just break up with that person because you're sick too you have I always call it an addiction to that person. That's extremely mature to admit. You know, and people always ask, how could you stay with somebody like that? Because codependency is probably one of the hugest factors in women that make them stay. Yes. Thinking they have to fix them or just getting attached and getting complicit. It's almost in our nature. We just want someone to depend on someone, them depend on us. And we're nurturers. Women are. Yes. And it's more often than not that women are in violent abusive relationships but it's also men too because women take advantage of the fact that they can hit without getting hit back which is sad so for anyone any gender anyone who finds themselves in a relationship where they're being physically abused and they love the person so much that they can't leave and the person isn't changing or trying to you've got to get completely away I, I think the biggest thing that helped me heal was being so far away that I couldn't go back and I knew that that's what it would take for me I knew that I I couldn't control myself when it came to him absolutely you and if you realize that and you know you need to leave but you can't seem to bring yourself to do it you have to force yourself to do it and that's what I did and I so I think step one get the fuck out of there you can't go back if you want to and Maybe that's something you have to handle metaphorically. Maybe some people have more strength than I do, and they can actually leave the person and maybe live in the same city. I knew I couldn't. So Most people can't, honestly. Really. And if you find yourself saying, I don't think I can, then you have got to save up your money. In my situation, I had my mom to go to. But I know some people literally have no one. Yeah, and that's the saddest um, thing. Mm-hmm. So when I got to my mom's house... Of course, just depression. I was having sleep paralysis. 
all the time, mm-hmm. which was something I had the never worst. Really dealt with, but heard about exactly. And it was stress induced sleep paralysis. And I was experiencing that all the time. <laughs> it was terrible. But what I did was just my plan was okay, how do I start over? I got to find a new job in this new place. I've got to. It's a get lot. My own. I had lost my car, everything. And I had dropped out of college because I was so, like, had my priorities so fucked up about this guy. Yeah. So I was like, what do I do? I literally like dropped out of college. I don't have a job. I don't have a car and I'm in a new place and I don't know anyone. So I started riding the bus to concerts because that was my, always my thing, my hobby, my love, my passion, music, listening to it. And I made a friend at one of these concerts. The first one I went to, I made a friend. And that person ended up taking me to every concert after that. So I didn't have to ride the bus to concerts at night, which is kind of sketchy in San Antonio, Texas. And just going, making myself go, even though I was so depressed and so antisocial, just making myself go to something. Just getting out. Yes, that I knew I loved and that I would be normally passionate about if I wasn't in such a funk. I knew I had to force myself to do things. Uh, even though I didn't want to. So I forced myself to go to concerts, forced myself to get a shit job, like at a shoe store. Retail <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and just to be around people. Just get that routine. Just feel normal again. Yeah. Try to find some foundation of a life again and just do the routine, you know, survival. It was all about survival. Yes. I was living in a garage in the dead heat of summer, like in September in San Antonio. Shut up. It's still as hot as July. My mom's garage. That's all she had for me. <laughs> like, it was so... And it was... Dreadful. But it gave you something to do. Like, I was constantly being challenged. Yeah, and with that, you're probably like, I want to get the hell out of the house because it's freaking hot. Right, yeah. Like, Maybe it was a blessing. My way out of here. Yes, so... So just routine yeah, would be like the advice. Yeah, just find your routine. Find, make yourself. Make yourself. I love that. Find your plan, make your plan, and follow it no matter what. Yeah. And eventually things just... Small steps will turn into a great life. Yeah, and this quote once that I've always held so dear to me in, in regards to this situation was, the universe loves courage. I love if that. If you're brave enough to just take that step and do something about your situation to make changes to get out of that comfort zone manifest it and it'll happen exactly things just it's it's things fall into place that's amazing well i am so happy for you honestly this podcast has been just so good you have such good energy about you and i'm just so happy that you're in a good place now you have no idea how many people this may touch as a podcast i'm glad that you're our first guest and i hope that you continue to touch people's lives because you've touched mine so far i know it's hard to open up so personally i do appreciate your time and i hope you have the best time in texas i wish you the best of luck like what's your goals now do you have any plans in texas like job wise or just personally that you want to share sure yeah so my whole thing with dropping out of college because of that relationship severely hurt my self-esteem and I thought I would always work like a shitty dead-end job that I wasn't passionate about yeah but I kept working hard and my work experience alone got me into a real career like a salaried career so I work at Charles Schwab as an a retirement specialist uh, I'm licensed as a broker and an advisor yeah yeah I, great uh, 
I, I worked my butt off and it feels so good to finally have all of this stability. And this is all, this is what it's all about. Every, every struggle you've ever been to through is about getting to this place. And for every person, this place is different, but I feel like I am thriving. I'm finally in my youth, half <laughs> feeling how I should, I shouldn't be feeling depressed and going through trauma my entire youth. This is my destiny. I've, uh, I'm working my way up the finance ladder, corporate ladder. You've I already made it. <laughs> I get a chance to talk about this. I honestly do love it because you do not know who's listening. You do not know what people are going through, even if it's not violence. Oh, absolutely. Even when you posted on Facebook, you had no idea I was probably listening. And then it just warped us here. It does make a difference. Yeah, thank you so much again. Um, this will definitely be our first podcast, first guest. I wish you, you the best of luck in life. You're awesome, and I'm sure people will be reaching out to you. Thank you so much, well, Katie. You're, you're fantastic, and you did great interviewing. <laughs> I tried. This is so important. Yes, of course. Thank you. You have a good one. Right. Bye, Clara. All right, bye.